Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 116, Writing a First Novel Isn't Easy, an interview with Stacey Donovan, coming to you on Thursday, December 13th, 2018. Now, if you have been listening all the way through, Stacy was on just a few weeks ago as our guest talking about Hallmark Publishing as an editor, the acquisitions editor there. But today we are talking to Stacy as an author because she is an author at Hallmark and other places. And so we were talking to her about books and writing books and writing her first book. And she's got some great interesting stories about that. And, you know, we authors, we just can't seem to help ourselves. We have to share tips and tricks that we think might help other people so that others don't struggle as much as we do. So Stacy's going to give you some great tips about when she was writing her first novel and just ideas about things that will help you either with a first novel or, um, you know, just getting into a writing process because, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm totally going to be out of the habit by the time all the Christmas holidays, you know, here and gone and I'll be like, wow, it's January. I have to get back into the habit again. So she's got some other great tips. Now, we had to make it a short interview because she had a deadline and a meeting, and so we had to talk really fast, which you'll notice. And if you wonder, even I, when I was listening to myself, I'm like, man, I keep almost interrupting her to like hurry through the interview because I was looking at the clock, making sure I wasn't going to make her late for a meeting. So um, because I have a little bit of extra time, though, in this episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of an update on me because I haven't done that much lately. Um, One thing that I have been updating you about throughout the year has been the case of burnout that I found myself in, um, found myself in fairly badly in April of this year, 2018. But uh, the last couple of weeks in particular, I just feel so much better, like literally my real self again which is just such a huge relief. And you know, if you've felt in any way, not yourself, even if you just have a cold or uh, you're sad about something that happened and being back to your real self again, just feels like a miracle has occurred. (laughs) And that's definitely how I've been feeling. I feel great. But I've also been trying to make sure that I don't, you know, backslide in any way. Um, So getting over busy is definitely something that I've had to manage. Um, You know, it's a kind of a Christmassy thing. And depending on your personality and how much you like to volunteer and get involved in other things can really be an issue um, if you're having any kind of issues with burnout or anything even close to it. So I've really been having to pay attention because I started noticing a few times when I was going backwards instead of forwards. But in the midst of this, because you know I've mentioned several times that I'm a neuroscience geek, I've been really trying to focus on getting my thoughts aligned in a very positive and healthy manner. And so I've been literally like talking to myself and telling my brain, okay, brain, we're creating better neural pathways here. We're going to create better paths for my brain to be automatically going to so that they are healthy, positive, not fearful, not getting into this uh, fear and foreboding sort of habit that I got into way too badly over the last few years of some tough stuff happening in our lives. And it's really having a noticeable effect. Now, One thing that has happened 
which, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just laugh while I'm telling you because I laughed when I realized what I was hap- what I was doing. So um, we probably all know that praying for patience is a very bad idea, right? Because the minute you do, God starts answering you. And like things start going on that you're just, oh, really? I don't want to be this patient. I only wanted to be a little bit more patient. Well, so I'm sitting there waiting for the movers to come and pack up our stuff because I just got back from a four-day trip to California to get all of our stuff out of storage onto a ship. Very excited. We'll live in one place with all of our stuff in one place for the first time in years, and I totally can't wait. And so I was sitting there reading my Bible, trying to get my mind, you know, in a good place because I figured it was probably going to be a relatively long day, and it was. Um, And you know, there's this place where the blind men call out to Jesus and he, and he asked him very specifically, what do you want me to do for you? And I stopped reading and I thought, oh, what have I been asking you, Lord? What have I been specifically asking you for? And I was like, oh, you know, the last several weeks I've been asking to be more faithful and to give you more glory. Okay. And then I would just pause and the thoughts all sort of came together And I burst out laughing by myself alone in my car because it occurred to me that if I want to be more faithful, then my life is probably not going to go smoothly. And moving day did not go horrible, but it wasn't smooth. Some things since then, not horrible, not smooth. Definitely lots of opportunities that God is giving me to choose to be faithful. I'm like, oh, right. This is like praying for patience. Like things are going to happen now that won't be that easy. Now, whether you believe in God or just like the universe doing things to you, for you, at you or whatever, I mean, you recognize this principle that whenever you start thinking about something, you see it more often. Um, Whenever you (laughs) think about things like, I should really be more patient. I don't know, maybe you just notice the things that make you impatient more, but it seems to me that more of the stuff actually happens. And of course, I think that God is actually answering my prayer. And so, yeah, lots of things not really going smoothly, but... You know, again, with this whole changing my neural pathways, what am I going to focus on? I'm choosing and I have to tell it to myself, you know, brain, we're going to choose positive neural pathways. Like, so I'm grateful for the opportunities to be more faithful. This is good. I want to be a more faithful person, a more faithful friend, um, more faithful worker. So thank you for these opportunities where I can learn to be more faithful. Again, sharing in case you've been working on changing your thoughts and your neural pathways to be more positive in case anything you start noticing about, well, that's weird. Look at what's happening here. So I just wanted to share because I just thought it was really, really funny. Um, So hopefully as things continue to go not necessarily smoothly, I will indeed be working the muscle of being a more faithful person. And yeah. And and you know what? I've been going to the gym again now that I'm back from California. And yesterday I was working my pectoral muscles. And this morning when I was stretching, I was like, ah, oh, ow, oh, my chest hurts. So the fact is, is that when you work a muscle, it's going to hurt because it's growing. Yes, it's stretching and breaking at first, and then it grows stronger. So 
there we go. <laughs> there is our spiritual and physical growth lesson for today, at least for me. <laughs> now, you know that I submitted a book to Hallmark and I've been super duper excited and waiting to hear back. I heard back. Yay. They're not going to take love at the fluff and fold, but they are interested in my writing and the humor I have in my writing. And so I am definitely going to send them some more work. Very excited. I have lots of ideas. I'm working on one that I'm totally in love with right now. Got a couple of other ideas on the, you know, to be done next and to be done next after that list. So that will be super duper fun. Now, I do want to tell you something. If you are very techie and you spend a lot of time on your phone and you mostly check email on your phone, this is totally weird. I have an iPhone 7, just as an FYI. So I've been really busy getting ready to go on this trip to California and doing stuff with movers, blah, 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 lots of stuff going on. So I've been checking email almost entirely on my phone for the last month or so. Oh, plus I was participating in National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. So I was really not doing much on my computer except writing or doing things that had to do with moving, but I was trying not to spend too much time on email. So I would check it in the morning before I got out of bed on my phone because then I could just see if there's anything I needed to answer, you know, what do something with or whatever. And then I was trying to stay off of it for most of the rest of the day. This email never showed up on my phone. I even, after a few weeks of thinking, surely I should have heard by now, I was, um, doing a search in my phone mailbox. And I was searching under things that are actually in the email. For instance, the name of the email address, the sender, the sender address, uh, words that I knew were in the subject line never showed up, which is why I kept thinking I hadn't heard from them. And then um, just a couple days ago, I got back from California. I was like, I really need to clean out my inbox on my laptop instead of just um, ignoring everything that didn't need me to do something about it right that minute. And what do I find? I find an email from three weeks ago. Now, it's really embarrassing <laughs> to have not found this email because of several reasons. One, I had been telling you guys, oh, I still haven't heard yet, huh? And then also telling other people I hadn't heard, oh yeah, maybe that's good news then. Um, plus, you know, if it was something that I needed to reply to, really embarrassing to not even reply for over three weeks. Just letting you know, if you're looking for an email and you're not getting it, but you're pretty much only checking on your phone, you might need to check on your computer, at least occasionally. I don't know why this has happened. And even after I found it and marked it, you know, I flagged it. I checked all the, um, the from address and the words in the subject line and specifically went to my phone and searched again and it still doesn't show up. So just letting you know, don't rely entirely on your phone for your email messages. Um, but now I'm super excited again because um, I just can't wait to get more writing done and send more stuff to Hallmark. Yay. Okay. So speaking of Hallmark, Stacy also, our guest today, Stacy Donovan, editor at Hallmark, but talking to us today as an author. She started a Twitter thread on December 7th, 2018, that was all about writing synopses and proposals for romance novels. Now, because Hallmark 
is mostly looking for sweet romance and cozy mystery. That's why it's about romance. But I'm sure that you can find a lot of tips no matter what you write. So go to Twitter and either search for Stacy's name, Stacy Donovan, or her Twitter handle is Donovan-esque. So it's at D-O-N-O-V-A-N-E-S-Q-U-E. Now, if you're listening while you're running or running errands or something, and you're like, oh, like I'm really going to remember that, um, she also tagged Hallmark Publish, at Hallmark Publish, no underscores or spaces. It's not publishing, it's Hallmark Publish. She also tagged them. So if you go to that uh, Twitter address and look for a post from Stacy from December 7th, and I think she's been adding to it a little bit for a few days too. So great tips on synopses writing and proposals. Now, one more quick thing. I thought that since so many of you are interested in my life in Sweden, I would just tell you a couple of quick things going on here. Uh, first, today, on the day that I'm recording this uh, introduction, it's Tuesday, December 7th. Sunrise was at 8.26. So, man, I was like up, exercised, got back from the gym, showered, cleaned up, cleaned some of the house, and looked out the window, looked at my watch, and realized it still wasn't sunrise time yet. So that's interesting. <laughs> and the more interesting part is, because, you know, that's not horribly unusual for living in northern Michigan. We lived just south of Canada when I was growing up. So, you know, it's not, it's pretty close, pretty close to that, maybe a half an hour later. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I've never lived any place where, wait for it, Sunset today is at 3.35 p.m. Yes, I'm checking my notes just to make sure. Yes, I wrote down 3.35. And we still have nine days left until we get to the shortest day of the year. So I'm pretty interested in seeing, you know, how much time we'll actually get with the sun. But I don't care because I'm having lots of fun. And it might snow on Friday and Sunday. And I'm super excited because I won't have to shovel it. It will never snow that much. Also, I live in a city with public transportation, so I'll still never have to shovel it. But anyway, uh, yeah, so apparently the Baltic Sea, which kind of surrounds Malma, is uh, the reason why we don't have snow here, I guess, as I understand it. We have tons of wind. It is so windy. It'll cut right through your teeth. <laughs> I wish I were serious. I mean, I wish I were not serious. I wish I were joking, but no, it's quite cold. But uh, I'm still looking forward to trying to catch some snowflakes on my tongue at least a few days this year. So hopefully maybe even before Christmas. I also went to a, Harry, a not Harry Potter festival with John and a few of our friends, uh, Joyce and her husband Francis and our friend Margaret. We all went together and had a great time. So I did not know that this is like a thing all over the world. And I knew, of course, there had been festivals, but apparently it's an annual thing in lots of places, including here. And some of my friends have lived here for a few years and nobody had heard about it. So it's very, you know, on the down low from muggles, I think. <laughs> but it was super fun. Oh, and some of these, not ours, but some of these are called, this is great, the festival that must not be named isn't that awesome? I just think it's hysterical. I wish ours were called that because I would be like, so let's go to the festival that must not be named next weekend. <laughs> anyway, it was super fun. There was lots of people dressed up, a ton of people who were selling like really cool little handmade um, magical items, you know, like wands and um, books. There was even a guy who had made, you know, one of the monster books 
uh, the one with the teeth and everything. And there was just all sorts of cool stuff going on. Now, there was also people there from the Ministry of Magic. And I was very, very nervous about this because I just have always been one of those people who was afraid of getting in trouble for something. So when the Minister of Magic person walked up to me and said, how did you get here? I was like, oh, well, we ran out of flu powder. So we just came the normal way. And he kind of grunted. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go over here and look at this wand. And then he was like, what's your name? And he goes and he gets a piece of paper. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get arrested for something. Illegal use of flu powder, illegal use of coming in the muggle entrance. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to get in trouble for. So when he said, what's your name? I was like, Jones. And I said it just like that. I'm like, that's so obviously a lie. This is why I can never tell lies when I was younger because I would always get caught. Everybody can always tell when I'm lying. So then he gets this piece of paper and it turns out what he gave me was a transfer pass. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm holding it up. I can't read it because it's in Swedish, but my friend Margaret read it to me. And she's like, oh, it's a transfer pass. So you could get around. Apparently because you ran out of flu powder, he wanted to make it easier on you. And I'm like, that is so cool. I wish I told him my real name was Kitty. But then, you know, the story wouldn't be, you know, quite as interesting still anyway. So got this transfer pass made out to Jones, which is really cool. Also, they were handing out these newspapers. Again, I'm holding it up if you're watching on on YouTube. Um, and again, in Swedish, I can't read it. <laughs> but Margaret read some of it to me. Apparently, this guy whose uh, picture is on here is... Um, like trying to take the market down, you know, the the magic market that we were at. I don't know. It was totally fun. So we had a great time doing that. There are also Christmas markets everywhere, like all over the place. And this is what cracks me up. They're outside. Even in California, I hardly see that many things that are outside at Christmas time because people complain about being cold then. It is freezing cold here and people are outside. So we, we walked through one, but it was, uh, it was a very quick walk. We didn't pause very often. The wind was blowing so hard. We were so cold, but it was super fun. And we're going to go to some more just because it's cool. And we're going to go to one in Copenhagen that apparently is just like massive and super cool. So I'll tell you if I buy anything. Um, mostly we're just excited to like go out and see and do things in Sweden, right? Okay, so in addition to all of that, I'm learning some new Swedish words. As you can imagine, because it's Christmas, I had to learn Merry Christmas, which is, let's see if I can say it properly, Good Yule, Good Yule. So I probably sound like I'm three when I say it. <laughs> it's pro I don't know how good the pronunciation is or if I should like pronounce it differently, but anyway, Merry Christmas, Good Yule. <laughs> Now, the other very cool word that we're excited about, uh, well, I'm particularly excited about this word. It also makes me laugh because I can't help it. Peppercaca. So, you know, if you live in the U.S. or other English-speaking countries, <laughs> I don't know. The five-year-old in me just thinks caca is a very funny word. We never used it when I was growing up, but I did know what it meant because my other friends used it. Um, yes, so caca being poop. <laughs> anyway... So that's not what it is here. Here it's cake. So kaka, uh, K-A-K-A, -A, I believe. Anyway, pepper kaka, which I have no idea if I'm saying it exactly right. Probably not exactly right, but it's something like that. Pepper kaka. 
is gingerbread or gingerbread cake. And it is super yummy and I love it and it's everywhere. But even more than that word, you know John's favorite word I've told you is fika. Sort of like morning tea or afternoon tea. There's snacks and cakes and sweets and... Okay, imagine this. Yule fika. Yule fika is Christmas fika, which is what we're having at church on Sunday after the service. It's going to be a little hard, I think, for me to focus on the sermon because I'll be like, look at all that food back there. But I think it's going to be super fun. And we're going to have people over and do some kind of Yule fika, I think. <laughs> anyway, and to that I say, Taksomiket. Thank you very much. <laughs> so there's some words for you. Tak is thank you. Taksomiket is thanks so much or thank you so much. Thank you very much. Something in that general realm. And then uh, Yule fika, Christmas, uh, Christmas tea kind of thing with snacks and food and sweets and oh my goodness and then you can tell people let's see I always have to stop and think about how to say it because it's spelled g-o-d so it looks like god and then I'm like good and I'm thinking okay it's neither one of those it's good good yule good yule so good yule to you (laughs) and then lastly advent is a really big thing here even though I'm not really sure like how many people are Christians and look at Advent from a Christian perspective, which that is what it is because it's celebrating the time before Christmas. But anyway, Advent's a big thing here. And we have Advent candles and these bright stars like in all the windows, all the apartments, all the businesses. Uh, John and I, of course, had to get in on the fun. So we've got two uh, electric light plug-in um, uh, Advent candelabras in our windows too so that we can be a part of it. Uh, but we couldn't find an advent calendar that looked fun. We found lots of things that were just like little chocolates and stuff. But um, yeah, I, don't, I usually don't like the chocolate that's in them because I'm very picky and I want it to be really good dark chocolate. Then, da da da, we found something I've never seen in the United States or any place else. We found a tea calendar. Yes, indeed. 24 different varieties of tea, one every day of Advent. And there's the little paper door thing that you pull open and you pull out your tea and there's enough for two cups so we can both have some. So that's our fun thing that we're doing at Christmas. All right. That may be more information than you really wanted. So hopefully you've skipped ahead if you're totally bored and now would be the time to start paying attention again because now that I've given you all the update, taught you new Swedish words, told you a little bit about Christmas in Sweden, it is time to talk to Stacy. So Stacy is super fun. You have already heard her before. And now she's talking about her own writing, which is also really interesting. And she's got a blog. So don't don't uh, miss out on hearing her tell you the blog address where she has all sorts of writing tips and prompts and all sorts of things there. Anyway, enjoy your time with Stacy. It's going to be great. I will have more guests over the next few weeks. We're not going on any kind of... Um, podcast vacation this year. So look for um, more authors. Uh, I've got a Christmas book author, Nancy Nagel, who is also a Hallmark published author. She's written my favorite book, Christmas in Evergreen. 
Uh, if all goes well and she's over her cold, she will be on next Thursday. And then also because it's the end of the year and I've been teaching time management classes for over a dozen years, we'll be talking about some time management stuff as uh, we get into January. And then I've got a whole new lineup of cool new people to talk to. So I hope that you are having a great day and you're having great preparations for whatever holiday you are celebrating. And um Listen to Stacy's tips, write the good ones down, the ones that work for you, and implement them so that you can have a better writing 2019. All right, talk to you soon. Here's Stacy. Today's guest is Stacy Donovan. Stacy grew up in central Illinois, earned her MFA in creative writing at the University of Arizona in Tucson, and was a master writer at Hallmark in Kansas City, where she wrote several gift books and children's books. She now lives in Los Angeles with her husband and their three rescue dogs. A true optimist, she loves stories with happy endings, random acts of kindness, and adventures big and small. Welcome, Stacy. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> this is fun. We told uh, listeners, I keep saying readers because I'm, you know, it's what I think about all the time. <laughs> Yeah. So we told listeners uh, probably a couple weeks ago, by the time this episode comes out, we're actually recording two in a row. First, talking about you as an editor at Hallmark Publishing, and now the exciting part, talking about you as a writer. <laughs> now, is there any chance that you happen to have a copy of your book in front of you for people who might be listening or, or that is uh, watching on YouTube? I do. <laughs> awesome. Here we go. So Sunrise Cabin, which is a fall romance. So I think you could read it anytime, probably. Yeah. And, uh, it is a romance about, it's kind of an opposite attract story. So you have Dylan, who's this stressed out investment banker, and uh, Paige, who is a free-spirited first grade teacher. And they both really want to, and they both really want to buy the same cabin. Paige is renting it. And Dylan spent summers there when he was a kid because his grandparents used to own it. Um, so they're real estate rivals, but they also fall in love. So that's the story. Um, I, I, love it. It, I did not know until the end who was going to get the cabin. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was really funny because I had plotted it out quite carefully. Um, but I really didn't know at the end until I got to it. Yeah. So oh my gosh, that must have been such a fun first draft. It was fun. Yes. Yeah. So there's surprises for me too. Oh man. Yeah. Now when I did the editor portion of our interview, um, you said that you actually have written um other romances but under another name. Do you wanna tell us about that? I don't know if I I didn't ask you whether that was okay. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So I had published um a few romances under Bryn Donovan, and I actually have a blog as BrynDonovan.com too, where I talk a lot about writing advice because it's like my favorite thing to talk about. And I think yeah. the reason I like to um, share um, advice and encouragement about writing is that for me, learning how to write a novel was very, very difficult. It did not come naturally to me, even though I had my master's in, in writing, uh, that was in poetry. And for me to learn how to write a novel 
was a very difficult thing. I tried for years and years without even being able to finish. And then I finally finished one and it was terrible. Um, and so it took me forever to figure it out. And so I'm not one of those writers and good for them. Uh, there's a lot of writers who it comes naturally to them and they write their first book really fast and then they get it published. And that's not my story at all. Yeah. Uh, me a long time and so because of that I always like to um, share whatever help I can give uh, to other writers who have that same kind of struggle and to say you can get there. <laughs> awesome yeah. Yeah. yeah because honestly until you actually have finished a book you still have a voice in your head saying you can't even finish a book. Right absolutely absolutely and for years for me that was true yeah so um, you keep on working at it, though, and you can get there. Yeah. Awesome. Now, if, if I remember right, there was a tweet. I've been following you on Twitter. There was a tweet at one point that was something like, I want to own a log cabin. So <laughs> was, this, was this part of the reason you couldn't let the story go? Yes. So, um, uh, yeah, so I developed this storyline for Hallmark Publishing, expecting to assign it to another author. And then I just couldn't, once the storyline was greenlit internally, I couldn't hand it over because <laughs> um, first of all, I, I liked both of the characters so much and I felt like I knew them so well. Um, and then yeah, Log Cabin is like my dream home. And so <laughs> it was like this really personal story to me. Um, in fact, there were things about the heroine that, um, that I actually do. Like she has this morning ritual where she says everything that she's thankful for. And, uh, and this is actually something I do in the morning. Um, and so I thought, if people don't like this, it's going to be so embarrassing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if people don't like my heroine and think she's annoying, I'm going to be so embarrassed. Uh, but it was, it was a very personal story. And so I wasn't able to, even though I had developed it with the plan of handing it over to another writer, um, I wasn't able to hand it over. Uh, so it was tough writing it while getting the publishing business started because I was working very long hours. And so most of the book was written like after midnight or at 4 a.m., you know, squeezing <laughs> in this time. Um, yeah. So, but it was so much fun for me to write too, that it was worth it. Yeah. Oh, you know, it occurs to me because at the time that we're talking and maybe at the time that this comes out, we'll have just finished National Novel Writing Month. But there's a yeah. lot of people right now who have big full-time jobs and they're trying to hurry up and really focus on getting a book out. So what are some, regardless of whether or not people are doing nano, what are some tips that you can give people who have a demanding job who still really want to do this? I think um, one thing that you'll you find as you work as you work more and more is that you don't need a big chunk of time in order to get something done. If you have a half an hour, you can you can write a short short scene or at least a paragraph or some part of it. You know, if you have an hour, you can write a full a full fledged scene. Um, and it just takes a little while to realize, oh yeah, I can I can do that. I don't need to wait until I have all Saturday afternoon to get some work done. I can flip back into it. Now at first it may be more of a struggle, and it's because uh, if you haven't built the habit yet it's a little harder to get into the mindset of writing because you're making sort of a transition from the rest, a mental transition from the rest of your busy life and all of the things you worry about to like dive into your story. But the more you do it, the easier it will be to turn that on and get right into your story. Um, so um, yeah, with practice, it's less friction 
to, to move from that one mindset to the other. Yeah. So nice. say, go ahead and push yourself, build that writing habit. At first, uh, building a writing habit is very uncomfortable um, because it feels like such a departure from the rest of your life, you know, and it feels hard. But if you do it all the time, it starts to be comfortable. It's like coming home and browsing the internet. It's like coming home and turning on the TV because it's what you do because it becomes your habit. And when something is a habit, it's much, much easier to do. Yeah. Right, so right. you got to push through that friction, build that habit, and eventually that friction's not going to be there. Yeah. 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 And I would say that for most books, though, I have talked to people that they're like, yeah, this one book just gave me trouble all the way through. But for most books, the, um, the very fact of having a habit, even if it's two or three days a week, not seven days a week, yeah. um, helps your brain to constantly be more ready to get back to it. it absolutely. Yes. And yeah. uh, one thing I do, and I don't know if it would work for everybody, is I make a playlist for each book. Uh, so that when you start listening to it, your brain kind of snaps back into the world of the story. Yeah. So that can really help. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've been um, working on a Christmas book for a new publishing company I'm really excited about. <laughs> Oh, it's interesting. <laughs> and uh, so I started uh, watching Christmas movies. Golly, I think it had to have been the end of S September. And my husband was like, oh, it's time to leave the room. <laughs> I didn't realize until about two weeks ago that my obsession with like finding out what are the Christmas things that I, uh, you know, should get ready to see and do in Sweden and what Christmas food should I eat? And like, where do I buy Christmas decorations? I realized, wait, what month is this? It's way too early. People oh must gosh. think it's so weird. This is like, you know, that's been my whole career at Hallmark has been that kind of sense of displacement because uh, at Hallmark, it's always kind of low-key Christmas, <laughs> like at least a little Christmas all year long. Uh, you're always doing Christmas things. As a Hallmark writer, I always was doing some Christmas. And so um, you would get really used to that weird sense of not knowing uh, what month it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when you were writing Sunrise Cabin, um, so this was uh, the mountains in the autumn in Colorado? Yes. And, yeah. you know, I love the mountains. And autumn is my favorite, favorite uh, time of year. In fact, I mean, being from the Midwest, I do miss it out here in Los Angeles. Um, and so my husband and I last weekend even went back to Kansas City just to kind of soak in the fall <laughs> to see friends <laughs> of ours who we miss so much yeah. and uh, soak in that autumn, you know, weather. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and you know, we out there, it was gray and rainy and everyone was like, oh, sorry, it's gray and rainy. And we were like, oh, we love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what kind of It's such a beautiful oh, yeah. thing to do. I love it. Yeah. And you know what? There's nothing like living in Arizona, turning on the air conditioning so you can turn on the fireplace and thinking there is something wrong with your brain. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, that is really funny. Yeah. I think oh. in, in that book and in a lot of Hallmark books, actually, um, the sense of place is really important, you know? Um, and uh, with um, several of our Hallmark books, um, people are just kind of getting this ideal little getaway, you know, which I think the cabin in the mountains really does. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so um, if you were speaking to other writers about writing in a place that you're not currently living, and I don't know if you have lived in Colorado, but so what sorts of things do you do to, to get that? Because you do, that book has a great sense of place, like even the bakery and the places that they meet, the, the pumpkin patch place. I, it was all <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I do. I've never lived in Colorado, uh, even though I've visited, and I did a lot of online research to make sure it was okay. So she lives like out in this little log cabin in the in the mountains, but she works downtown. So I did Google Maps to make sure that that con there was a place where she could do that and still commute in and not be driving like an hour and a half. So I, like I knew on the map exactly where she lived. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> bit realistic you know um and so i mean some people might say mm, it would take five or ten minutes more for her to drive in but it's pretty close yeah uh, and uh um when i'm re when i'm setting books in a place where i haven't lived i think youtube is a fantastic resource so you can find these little videos that people have made and some of them might have like you know eight views <laughs> that kind of thing but you you watch and you you get a sense for where they're at you know and, and you get a re that's a really good place um to research for a sense of place i would say yeah. you know that's funny. It never occurred to me that like if I have a book set at a lake, I can just look for those ridiculous videos of people, you know, posting about their brother-in-law who like took a dive and landed wrong or something. Yeah. Like you can just find these kind of random little videos that people are like, well, here's my house, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and they made it and, like 11 people looked at it, you know, and it's so helpful because it's, it's, it's the real deal. You know? Yeah. Right? So I use that a lot. Yeah. I remember the first time I visited my friends when they moved to, I can't remember, a town in Ohio. <laughs> and, um, and I had been living in the city for so long, even though I grew up in the Midwest. And I got to their house and I was like, oh my gosh, you live on like a farm. Like it was probably <laughs> three quarters of an acre, but they had these massive lawns and you could uh -huh. not like have your neighbor like, be passing you sugar through the kitchen, which is what I always say about Los Angeles. Right, right. Yeah. It's so different. But, you know, I, I try to read, I try to do a good job of researching all the parts of my story because uh, my characters often have jobs that I don't have. Like um, for Sunrise Cabin, I've never been an investment banker. I've never been a first grade teacher. And so I do a lot of research, try to get it right. And um, with uh, the first grade, I, uh, my sister-in-law was a first grade teacher, so I talked to her. But you get nervous about getting it right. And so one of my first reviews, um, said, I'm a first, you know, I'm a first grade teacher. And I really, you know, related to this. And I was like, Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so, yeah. Motivating and, uh, or gratifying, I should say, when you when you try really hard to get it right. And someone says you got it right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> now, okay, we're back to full time job and trying to keep writing. So do you have like a certain kind of schedule that you keep to do? You, do you have it like on a micro level? Like this is what I want to do each week? Or do you have kind of a macro level? This is how much I want to do each year? Yeah, I actually do um, write, have pretty regular writing hours. And I write between eight and 10 most nights. So huh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so simple. And, uh, you know, I'm married and luckily I am married to another writer. 
So he understands <laughs> if he doesn't, you know, if I tell him, will you turn down the TV, you know, and, uh, <laughs> or no, I don't want to go because I'm going to write, you know, uh, he's really understanding of that and, and uh, respectful of that commitment, which I'm very lucky to uh, have that situation. But um, I do have pretty set hours for it because uh, um, it's the only way I know how to get it done, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so normally I have like this long meandering conversation about everything with writers. But again, just trying to be aware of your schedule. So this is going to be an absurdly short interview for from my <laughs> podcast. But yeah. so I'm thinking, um, usually I ask writers, like, what sorts of advice do you like to give to your friends who are also writers? Like, is there anything about characters or plots that you just really feel like, oh, I always like to tell people this. It was helpful or... Yeah, uh, so no advice is right for everybody, but I would say that if someone's having trouble ever finishing a novel, or, or if they're finishing it and then it's kind of a mess and not in the shape that they want it, um, if you haven't tried plotting ahead of time and making an outline, go ahead and try it. I resisted it for years. The first book that I plotted and that made it an outline for was the first book I got a contract for. Okay. Um, so, but for years I told myself, oh, that's not my style. I'm not the kind of writer who plots. Look, if you're not the right kind of writer who plots and you keep finishing novels and you're satisfied with your, your progress, great. If you're saying that you're not the kind of writer who does an outline, and you're not satisfied and you're never finishing a novel, it's time to do something new. It's time to say, maybe that's not working for me. You know, how do you know you're not the kind of uh, writer who doesn't outline if you haven't tried it? And so I, I would say that if someone's been really resistant to that, but they're not happy with their progress, give it a go, give it a try, see how it works. You've got it at some point, you've got to finish a manuscript. There's some things you can only learn by finishing a story. You can't learn them any other way. Uh, yeah. So even if you're in the middle of the story and you're thinking, oh, wait, this isn't my perfect story. I have an idea for a better story. Go ahead and finish a book. I don't care if it's not your perfect. Go ahead and write the perfect one next. I don't care. Finish this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to finish something. Yeah. That's so right. I guess that would be my, my two pieces of advice. If you haven't tried plotting and you're not happy where you are as a writer, try, try outlining ahead of time. And um, if you haven't finished a book, finish a book. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. It's good stuff. And you know what? Honestly, I, I'm a neuroscience geek. I love anything having to do with brains. Oh, so do I. <laughs> really? Oh, this we should like be friends favorite. in real life. This is yes. This is like my favorite thing to read about. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. We definitely have to talk more later. I'll send you an email with a book that I read where a neuroscientist is the heroine. It's a um, chiclet romance. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Oh my God, that sounds fantastic. It's by uh, <laughs> Kristen Billerbeck. Oh, uh, the Theory of okay. Happily Ever After. So much I haven't read though. You, don't, you sometimes feel like, oh, there's so many books. <laughs> yes, especially yeah. now that I'm interviewing authors. I'm like, how am I going to read all their books and my other favorite authors' books and write books? <laughs> oh, but that sounds right up my alley. I love reading books about neuroscience and brain chemistry. And that sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So wouldn't you agree? I literally think that there's a switch in your brain that switches over the way that the neurons are firing switches over to, oh my goodness, I am someone who finishes books. The first time that you do it, it's like Absolutely. a permanent switch. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly true. You need to finish one so that you, you convince yourself 
that that's the kind of writer you are. Definitely. Yeah. I love it. All right. I'm sending this podcast to a couple of my friends when we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Now you had mentioned something about a blog earlier. Is that something that you can give us, uh, spell out the address and tell us more about? Yeah, I think that's fine. So it's brindonovan.com. It's B-R-Y-N-D-O-N-O-V-A-N.com. And uh, I have a lot of uh, plot ideas and writing prompts. And um, I have what's very popular on my blog is I made, I, I, I used to make these lists for myself as a writer. For instance, like I made a really long list of facial expressions. And the reason I did it was because um, my characters were just smiling all the time. And they needed, right? they needed to, I needed to mix it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I made this long list of facial expressions. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll put it on the blog. Maybe someone else would like it too. People really like those lists. Lists of how to describe people. Lists of uh, like body language and gestures just to mix it up. And, and it's really nice with nano because then you don't get stuck for a half an hour thinking, how do I describe what they do next? You know, you can yeah. just pick something from the list, move on. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so I try to share writing resources there uh, if anyone wants to check it out. Yeah. Excellent. Great. And are there links to uh, read your other books as well? There are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Excellent. Good, good. Sweet. Oh my gosh. I want to talk to you more. You know what? We'll just have to bring you on again. Do you have any books releasing in 2019 of your own? I don't actually. I'm going to be too busy um, with the (laughs) publishing side. Yeah. That's pretty cool though. I mean, what an awesome job. Uh, I really, it's, it's, it's um, really intense and, but it's very exciting and I love the stories we're doing. Um, It's so amazing to see it uh, you know, grow and uh, develop it. So it really is a, just a fantastic job. Oh, that's awesome. Well, listen, I really want to talk to you more, but how about we make a deal that when your next book comes out under whichever name, you come back on the show and we'll talk longer. I would love to. Thank you for that. And thank you for such good questions and such a nice conversation. This is totally fun. Thank you again for taking the time, especially in this like huge, massive, like I'm starting a new business kind of coolness. (laughs) It's a really fun part of my day. So thanks so much. 